wanted to, I want to give thanks um, to those of you who are watching as well and, and uh, here this morning. Um, when, when we, you know, when you went, th- go through this, um, I can tell you I've had conversation with uh, many pastors that have uh, found themselves extremely uh, struggling during this time, especially as many churches have been closed and and then now starting, you know, start, starting to come and get get back and and uh, I just want to thank all of you who have been faithful in through this process in your giving. I uh, I know that many of you, um, some of you, um, have had uh, you know challenges um, work wise as well because many of you couldn't work and some of you lost uh, income and and uh, yet um, so many even that had to make adjustments in their giving, continued to be faithful. And we have been blessed that way. Um, not, you know, th- everything keeps going, and I just want you to know, I mean, there's still the challenges, and there are challenges there, but many of you have um, been faithful, and I've not had a chance to just say thank you. Thank you for keeping it coming. Thank you for, you know, not forgetting, you know, not, though you're not, weren't able to be in church, now we're open um, we're open in the outdoors. We're we are we are in the process of of getting back to normal. We will be uh, making uh, our changes um, pretty rapidly, actually, and uh, and so I just want you to to know that uh, as we're doing that, um, keep us in prayer that everything we do it as God directs us, and uh, it looks like uh, we're going to be able to get back to normal pretty soon. So. Um, Thank you for that, and and uh, I, I do want to make mention of the fact that we are t- this morning we're going to talk about Jesus. Okay, I mean I know you weren't expecting that at church that we would do that, but no, I I, I know I'm being facetious, but um, I there's so much going on that we we are put we've put a lot of emphasis, and, and I think rightfully so, on the elements of God's covering, God's blessing, you know, not worrying, dealing with uh, stresses and, and so forth. But listen, there's nothing more powerful for our life than just simply going back to Jesus. And so, um, actually, I'm calling it look, look to Jesus this morning. And we're in Hebrews chapter 1 is uh, where we're going to be. And we're, we're going to do, um, do a few studies in the book of Hebrews. It's an interesting book, the book of Hebrews. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a book that, that you'll, you'll hear reference to the uh, author of Hebrews, people will say. Sometimes people say uh, Paul the Apostle as he wrote the book of Hebrews. But actually, no one really knows for sure. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? So anybody that says they know who wrote it, um, they're they're go- crossing the line. They really cannot know. Um, people think they do, and and uh, sometimes a slip of tongue. I'll even say, you know, as Paul said, but uh, he wrote so many books of the New Testament. The fact is, no one knows. We do have per- some some uh, idea of who it isn't. Uh, there's a, a a portion of scripture, a text. Uh, several texts in the in the book of Hebrews making reference to themselves. The author is making reference to themselves, and they use the masculine uh, in in the uh, in in the Greek. And so, using the masculine would tend to th- make you think it's probably not a female. Uh, some some uh, have uh, have considered um, you know um, that maybe it was that was the reason the name wasn't on there because it was a female author but uh but that kind of lends against it 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 sounds like paul when when uh when people read it in the original read it in the greek language and compare it to paul's uh manuscripts we um we see that a very uh, similarity in language the problem is that um paul usually starts all of his epistles with this is, you know, Paul, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he, it doesn't do that here. The other thing is there's a couple of phrases that, were, in fact, one particular in, in the book where the author is saying that he um, 
you know, he, he talks about those who had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were kind of the, the, the first level of, uh, of leaders. And then he puts himself in the second level of leaders. Paul always put himself among those who saw the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ. You see that in all of his writings. So the author of Hebrews doesn't actually do that. But the similarities to Paul makes you think that it's someone who sat under Paul. That it was probably someone who heard, you know, listened to Paul, maybe was taught by Paul, and uh, for whatever reason didn't put their name on it. Maybe because of the main reason for the writing of the book. And uh, I'm, I'm giving you some background. Some people, you know, if you're new uh, to, to studying the Word of God and, and new here or not even, uh, you know, even just checking out Christianity, you might think this is a lot of kind of history stuff. It doesn't apply to you, but it will. Let me, as we get further in it. So, so you want to take heed to, to listening to this. Um, the, the, the reason, the main reason for the book is because it was writing to the Jews who had, many of the Jews had come to Christ. Remember, the, er, the, the early church started as a Jewish movement. It's, you know, Christianity started among the Jews. Jesus and the disciples were Jewish. But it was never intended for that. Jesus, in fact, um, had planned and God had planned always to, to, to share the gospel throughout the world. And that's you know, God so loved the world is how Jesus said it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, um, but, but many of the Jews had come to Christ, but there was tremendous persecution against them. And, uh, and if you became a Christian, your Jewish family would disown you. In fact, consider you dead. They would even have ceremony to consider you dead. You were, you were dead to them. Many were persecuted, many were imprisoned, and uh, even died for the, the sake of the gospel. And so, but there was this tremendous pressure upon the Jews. And even among those who claimed to be Christian, there were some of them, some people that tried to ease the pressure against them by mingling kind of old covenant, uh, you know, practices with the new covenant, Old Testament practices of sacrifice with the new covenant. And so there, were, there was a temptation for, for them to start going back to sacrificing animals in, uh, uh, to God. There was also a practice in which um, because uh, of the complete disowning of them, that, that if they wanted to come back and be part of the community, they had to denounce Christ. They had to denounce their Christianity. And they would do that. There was a there was a process of doing that. There were several processes, but one of them that was uh, most prominent uh, in, was that they were to take and they would make the sign of the cross on the ground and they would denounce Jesus and pour pig's blood on the cross. I mean, it was a horrendous thing. And of course, no one who ever was truly born again would ever do that. But there was this tremendous pressure, to th this tremendous temptation to in fact, compromise their faith to make it easier on them. That that has never changed. And so whether you're a Jew being tempted to go back into Judaism or if you're a Christian that comes in, is living in a secular society, a secular world, uh, you know, going to a secular college, going to a secular high school, living in a secular community, you also face the challenges of, of maybe compromising a little bit so it becomes easier for you so that the pressure is not as hard against you. It's also a, a way in which oftentimes people consider compromising in the way that they're hopeful that the devil won't be on them so hard. Let me tell you something about the devil and that. that. If anyone thinks that you can just kind of compromise, maybe the devil will leave you alone. He never gives up. He never stops. He has one goal uh, for your life, and that is a, uh, it's, it's in three, three categories, steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he has a goal to do. He will always push that. You cannot have a peace treaty with him. He will allow you to think you can, and then he'll just find a way to destroy you faster. Every time you give in to the devil, he takes advantage of that and works harder against you. 
understand this, that there is going to be spiritual warfare if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But he has already won, so you have already run. won. You are more than a conqueror. You will defeat everything that the enemy throws at you. And eventually you'll stand before God totally victorious. And, and you will stand before the, the um, Bema Seat uh, 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 judgment of God where you receive rewards from Christ and you will do that proudly in the, in the name of Jesus knowing that Jesus Christ has made a way for you. Listen, don't ever give in to the enemy. There's just no reason for it. But this was a temptation. And so the writer of Hebrews starts off talking to them and he wants to encourage them. Guess what he talks about when he starts off talking uh, to them uh, and encouraging them in their faith. Well, he talks about Jesus, and that's where we're going. We want to talk about Jesus. And so he starts off in verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter 1. And if you have your Bible, please turn there. It helps you. It will help you to be, be able to follow along uh, the text as we take a look at it uh, more um, you know, closely. It says, God, who at, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets... Now, he starts off by saying, he just says God. He doesn't try to defend God. In fact, it's true in the Bible, right? In the beginning, the, 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 the Bible says God, God created. He, God doesn't have to prove himself. You know, he doesn't have to give you all the different arguments for the reason to believe in God. He, uh, he just, he doesn't have to do that. Just like you don't have to give reason for people to believe that you exist. God is God, and he has he has plenty of proof of his existence. And if we're honest with ourselves, um, we will say as well, there's so much proof of the existence of God. The problem is if you don't believe that God exists, you have a big problem to argue for the fact that all of this is just a matter of time and chance. So um, anyhow, he says, God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers. Now, all kinds of ways God spoke. And he's referring to the fact that, especially in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, we have the prophets before us. And, and God spoke to the prophets in different ways. Moses in the burning bush and Elijah in a still small voice and Daniel by, by an angel and Isaiah by a heavenly vision and Hosea by a family crisis. And God spoke to them. By the way, God speaks to us also in these many different ways. God speaks to us. But there, there is something, I think there's a challenge sometimes because we're, there, there is this realization that God can speak to us directly through, that, through the Holy Spirit and through a still small voice. And even though God can do that, we oftentimes, that's where we look the most. We, we look for, in fact, you hear people say, hey, I just need to hit, get a word from God today. I need a word from God. And, and I understand that. And, and God's gracious in giving us a word from God. I, I will hear people say, hey, did you get a word today? You know, in fact, what, what they're saying is to me when I'm speaking, you know, are you, you got a word for us? In other words, do you have something from God to give to us? In the Old Testament, that was the only way that we had the word of God that would come. It would come through a prophet. It would come through someone who has heard from God and then would, would give that out. In the New Testament, there are two main ways we hear from God. One is by the voice of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit inside us, living inside of us. And the other one, and this is the one that's being emphasized here, is that there is the voice of God that comes in a, a completely different way and a more sure way and a more accurate way in describing in the, the nature of God. Second Peter 1.20 says, knowing this, that that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came upon the prophets, and then they spoke what God had given to them. But that is true today because we are all in that category today to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit himself. But... 
if you want to hear from God today, this is where you turn. And, and this, I, I want you to, to if you're going to write this down, I have four points for you. Number one, if you want to hear from God, look to Jesus. Everybody say, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. If you want to hear from God, look to Jesus. Look at verse, uh, look at um, uh, chapter, uh, verse 2. It says, and has in these last days, now what's the last days? Are we in the last days? Absolutely. The last days actually is the last time period. That's what it means. It's the last time period. And the last time period actually started on um, the day of Pentecost. So we have the last, Peter, Peter stood up and said, um, and, and quoted Joel in the last days. And he's saying, this is the last days. The last time period started um, at, on the day of Pentecost. So we're in, we're still in the last time period. But there's the end of the last time period, and I believe that's where we are right now. We're at the end of the end, right? We're at the end of the last and uh, in that time period. But in the last time period, he says, uh, uh, God spoke, spoke to us, has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us by his son. The, Jesus speaks to us and has spoken to us. It says, uh, whom he was, ha has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Let's just stop there. And I want to I focus on this point that says, has spoken to us by his son. Because that phrase doesn't mean that, he, that the only way that he communicated to us was verbally. It's by his son and all that he did. See, we, G God speaks to us through the words of Jesus. And if you want to have the most accurate, uh, you know, understanding of the nature of God, you have to look not only at the words of Jesus, but the character of Jesus and the life of Jesus. That's how you know who God is. The Bible says he is the express image of the Father. He is, in fact, he is God of God and Lord of Lords. He, Jesus Christ, is God, and he's the second person of the triune Godhead. And if you want to know what God is like, you, you can get some things from God's word in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. You can get things from Paul and Peter, but there's no place that you can get a better picture of what God is like than looking at Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is in fact, the image of God. And we know God. When, when Jesus said to the, the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know that's what God would say. See, in every, in every place, whatever Jesus said, it was, it was directly from, not through a man, not through the personality of, of another individual, through, directly through God himself as he's communicating. That is not to diminish any of the words that came through the prophets. It's not to diminish it, but it's to set it apart only for the, in, in that place where you look at Jesus, you know what God the Father thinks, you know his attitude, you know his actions, you know his nature. You see it fully in, the, in, in, in Jesus. You can't say that of others. And Paul the Apostle, for instance, uh, him and Barnabas, they're great men of God. But they had a contentious argument that, um, that probably didn't reflect the best of the nature of God, right? They, they were sinners. Every person who communicated, uh, even God's word, were, had failed themselves, had sinned themselves, but Jesus hadn't. Jesus is perfect in every way. And so he is... Um, he is the, the, the express image. And it says, he, he has, uh, whom he has appointed heir of all things. In other words, Jesus is, everything is his. Everything is his. And not only everything is his, it, it, it says this is why it's his. He made the worlds, or he made the, the, the word is eons. He made not only the, the physical world, but the world itself, the system of the world. He's in charge of all of that. He created everything. Everything was created by Jesus. So the, the, the writer of Hebrews is wanting to make sure we understand that when he even speaks of the, of the physical nature of Jesus, Jesus came as a man, he was fully man. But even though he was fully man, never forget he was fully God. And so when you talk about the nature of Jesus Christ and his humanity, you see that. Don't ever forget 
of the nature of Jesus Christ in his deity. He is God and fully God in every way. So if you want to hear from God, then look to Jesus. Can, can I just encourage you? Get into the Gospels. Just get into God's word and get into the Gospels. Get to, get to hear Jesus. Get, get to see what Jesus did. Get to know God through Jesus Christ. Get to hear God through Jesus Christ. And so I believe actually, folks, if you're, if, if you're not hearing from God more through the Bible than you are through trying to hear him, you know, through the still small voice of God, I think you have an imbalance in your life. You have an imbalance. And people who do not get most of, at least the majority of the time, get their truth from God's word in the, the Bible are people who are subject to a great imbalance. And you'll hear people say, well, God spoke to me. God told me. God, you know, I know God wants this for me. And you go, okay, then it should be in the scriptures that supports that. And, and they'll say that sometimes God has told me, and it's completely contrary to God's word. But I heard God. No, you did not hear God. God has already spoken with a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible says. The word of God is the more sure word. That still small voice, I, 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 I value God speaking that way. I love it. I live in that world. But I also know my own humanity can, can sometimes, because of my own desires, trick me into thinking something is God when in reality it's not God simply because my flesh desires stuff that God doesn't sometimes. And I have to submit to the word of God and I have to keep my, my nose in the Bible. I have to keep my nose in God's word to make sure that I have, I'm hearing truly what God is saying. That's where I need to be more than any other place, okay? If you're in the word of God, if you're, if you're steady in God's word, there is a greater likelihood when you're hearing God's voice, you're actually hearing God's voice. You, 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 there's a greater likelihood you're going to hear God's voice and know when it's God's voice when you're already in God's word and listening to it. I can't say that strong enough, but I'm trying to, okay? It, it says... It says, um, who, who being the brightness of his glory. Talking about Jesus. He's the creator of the world, and he is the brightness of God's glory. He's the Shekinah glory of God, if you would. He's the express image of God. He is that, 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 the glorious image of God. If you want to see God, if you want to see God, here it is. Look to Jesus. Look to, say, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, yeah. If you want to see God, look to Jesus. Keep looking. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. And we learn and we grow and understanding that as we look to him. And by the way, the more we look to Jesus and his radiance that glorifies God, then also that glory is radiated through us. <coughs> it was said of the disciples that, that, that when the, the religious leaders looked at them, they, they took note, they said, because they, were, they, they didn't see them as wise or anything like that. They didn't see them as educated in the ways of, you know, some of the religious leaders were of that day or the political leaders. But they said, the scripture just says this. I love the way it says, they took note that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. How did they recognize that? They were different. There was something showing and shining upon their life to others because they were glorifying God and they were close to Jesus that was reflective in their life. Oh, listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image 
from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as we're beholding Jesus, we keep looking at Jesus. We keep talking to Jesus. We keep praying to Jesus. We keep studying the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus. As we're doing that and looking at Jesus, we're starting to look like him. <clears throat> you know? We're starting to talk like him. We're starting to reflect him as we do that. We're starting to experience the glory of God in our life that is flowing out to others. I, I know I have seen in the face of people that are followers of Jesus at times, people I didn't know, and I recognize right away, that's a Christian. I don't, you don't do that with every Christian. But you know, sometimes there are people that just are so filled with the Lord, it, it's reflective. You see it in their face. You see it, you know, you see it in, in, in a, a, a special way. It's, it's hard to even describe, but you go, there's a believer. I can see that in them. They've spent time with Jesus. <clears throat> so it says, he's the express image of his person. That's the Father. Upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, the word there, it's interesting. The, the, upholding all things by the word of his power. That, the, that word is uh, upholding. It means actively sustaining. Now, you might just pass over that, but let me tell you what that means. Actively sustaining. That means <clears throat> while Jesus was on earth, when he was born as a baby, he was actively sustaining. His power was actively sustaining. While he was growing up as a little boy, he was actively sustaining. When he was dying on the cross, he was actively sustaining the world. He was holding everything together. His power. See, he had laid down his godly prerogative, the power that he has as God. He laid that aside when he became man. But there was this, there's still this ongoing work of Christ's power that was sustaining everything and still does. Jesus never had to call 10,000 angels. He never had to call a legion of angels to take him off the cross. He could have withheld his power and everything would have disintegrated. The world would disintegrate. The atoms would, would shatter apart in a second if Jesus was not holding it together. In other words, he's actively involved in creation at all times by his power. We don't think of him as that powerful, but he is, in fact, that powerful. We, we, we see him in his humanity, and sometimes we limit our understanding of the power and nature of Christ because of his love and his intimacy and him coming down to be with us. But understand that he is all-consuming power. Jesus has all-consuming power, all power, all authority. He, he holds the very universe together by his power. Every atom is held together by the power of Christ. So, is your view of him big enough? Do we see him for what he really and who he really is? Is there any problem too big for him? I don't think so. So, if you want... If you want to see God, look to Jesus. And then my third one is this. If you want forgiveness from God, look to Jesus. If you want forgiveness from God, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, right? Maybe you ought to say that to someone. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look what it says, when he had by himself purged our sins. I like that. I circled that in my, by himself, my Bible, it's circled. By himself purged our sins. He did it. He's the only one who did it. He didn't do it with anybody else. No one else did it with him. No one else did it for him. <clears throat> he did it. He did it himself. 
See, God spoke to us through many means throughout history. But when it came to redemption, when it came to paying for our sins, he didn't send someone else. He came himself. Why? Because of love. Because love shows up when love is needed personally. You see. When I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't send one of my friends. Hey, would you go tell Carol, ask her if she'll marry me. You don't do that, right? Love demands more. Love demands that you do it personally, that you come personally. And God's love demanded his presence. And his love came in Jesus. Jesus came left the glories of heaven, left, left all of the glory of being God and being glorified and being worshipped to being m mocked and ridiculed and spit upon. That's what, that's what love does. But he's the redeemer. He's the savior. He's the forgiver. Jesus, conf Jesus confounded those people around him. When he, he looked at a man that was you know, that was lame and, uh, and carried by, by his friends into his presence. And he looked at that man who needed the healing, needed a miracle. But the first thing Jesus said to him was, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody around looked and said, what? What? And the religious leaders said, he can't do that. He can't do that. <clears throat> Only God can forgive sins. And they actually had that part right. Only God can forgive sins. That was what they said. But Jesus said, so that you know that the Son of Man, in other words, Jesus Christ, so that, that you know that I have power to forgive sins, he says to the lame man, stand up and walk. And he did. Take up your bed and walk. And he did immediately to prove that he, in fact, was, is the Redeemer. He is the one that can forgive sins. You know why they said only God can forgive sins? Because it's true. But let me tell you why it's true. The only one that can forgive is the one who's offended. You see? If, if, if somebody over here offends Keith, who's sitting right here, okay? And Steve, Steve, Steve offends Keith, and Keith is sitting here, and Steve goes over and smacks him. I know he would never do that. And Keith goes, and, and Keith's upset about it, you know. And Mike over here says, hey, Steve, I forgive you. Right? Keith goes, wait a minute. What do you mean you forgive him? He hit me. That's the point. Someone other than God cannot forgive sin because sin was against God. The only one who could forgive sin is God. And that's why Jesus, who is the only one who redeems us, can say your sins are forgiven you. He's the only one who could die on the cross and pay for our sins. Ultimately, so that we could have not just covering over our sin, but we could have complete forgiveness over our sin. And the scripture says, then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down next to the Father. Now he says the right hand. The reason he uses that term, because all would understand that that's the seat of power. That Jesus is at the seat of power. Jesus had power on earth that was borrowed power. In other words, he himself, as I already mentioned, he decided to lay apart lay aside his godly prerogatives and his power and submit to the Father and under the power of the Holy Spirit live a life that was under the authority of the Holy Spirit because each and every one of us, that's all we can do. We do not have innate, our, any of our own innate power. It, everything comes from God. And so since we have to live that way, Jesus chose to live that way. But not for eternity. He seated at the right hand of the Father with full power. He has all power, unlimited power at that place of authority that he has. All power is his power. And so if you want 
forgiveness. If you want God's forgiveness, then you go to Jesus. You look to Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross for your sin. He is your Savior. You come to him. You ask him to forgive you because he's, he's the one you have offended. Sin is an offense to God. It isn't just like a bad thing or breaking a rule. Sin is an offense to God, and he's the only one that can forgive. And what we know from Jesus, he's quick to do so when we're honest with ourselves and we're humble enough to come to him. And then lastly, if you want to honor God, well, not just look to Jesus, worship Jesus. Look, worship Jesus. Look what it says in verse 4 through, uh, through 6. Having become so much better than the angels as he has an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He is the son of God. And the rest of the, 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 the next section really is a comparison of Jesus and his superiority over the angelic beings. Because there were those who said that Jesus was just an angel. They didn't understand he was God. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit better, better next week. It says, for, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now he's quoting Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy here to support, this is what the Old Testament talked about the Messiah when he would come. He would in fact be the son of God. Then verse 6 it says, but when, he began, when, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says that all the angels of God worship him. I love using that scripture on people who say that Jesus is not God. I, I love that. I've, I've, I have um, had great fun uh, with Jehovah Witnesses at the door. <clears throat> because the Bible says there is one God and, he, and you shall worship him alone. And if creation is commanded to worship Jesus by the Father, then you know one thing. Jesus is God. And we worship him. When we worship God, we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But God has given us Jesus to look to. To keep our eyes on Jesus, as it says later in this book. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Call upon Jesus. Give glory to Jesus. Worship him. The name above every name. The name that every knee shall bow to and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is what? Are you with me? He's Lord. He's Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And we give glory to him and we worship him. And we learn of God by looking to him. Folks, there are so many things to get your eyes on right now. And you can fo we focus on other things that are all around you. And you can get so sidetracked from the most important thing in your life. You can be drawn away. You know, the, 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 the Hebrews here who... The writer is writing to are people who are being tempted to be drawn away to to go back to another a false uh, uh, religious system. Now it was not it was it was only a temporary one that God had set up until Christ came, and they were tempted to go back. And you might be tempted in some ways to go back, maybe go back to a worship that you wouldn't even consider a worship. You wouldn't call it God, but maybe it's. You know, maybe it's that career that just is the thing that puts you, you know, first, puts first in your life. Maybe it's even good things like your family, or maybe it's just your, you know, your own needs. You just want to be comfortable, and you, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just, you know, entertainment, or just that 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 opportunity that you might think that you're going to spend your time on, and put it first in your life. That temptation is a destructive one in your life. There's nothing better. There's nothing more joyful. There's nothing more fulfilling than in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you. If you've just been looking in the wrong directions, if you haven't been looking to Jesus, if, if, if when we say look to Jesus, you realize that it's been a while since you really spent some time looking to Jesus, can I encourage you to refocus? Get, get to where you're supposed to be. 
Don't, isn't that name precious to you? Would you just say Jesus? Jesus. The name above all names, Jesus. When I just speak that name with, with focus and I just say Jesus, Jesus. Something in my heart just settles. There's a peace that comes when I just say Jesus. Doesn't it? That, that peace comes because his presence is with you. And if you have not come to Christ and today maybe you're distant from the Lord, I just want to encourage you. Jesus is here for you if you'll turn to him. He died for the whole world, not just for a few. Anyone. Whosoever will may come. Jesus said uh, to, to, to lay your burden down and take up his cross, take up his burden. His burden is easy and it's light. And I want to encourage you to, to do that. And simply say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Paul, you want to come on up? <clears throat> Did everyone receive your communion this morning yet? Did we? <clears throat> if you would like, we're going to have communion. Those who are watching... Uh, if you want to, if you have the elements at home to have communion or, or something close to it um, that you can, I think the Lord will fully understand, you, um, you go ahead and do that, get ready, and we're going we're gonna to share together in just a second, okay? At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. a place where sin and shame are powerless. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, oh, where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. Where all the love, where all the Sin washed away. 
owe all to him. We owe, we owe all to you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We're reminded on that, that evening when you took bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body which is given to you. Lord, you alone, you alone redeemed us. You alone sacrificed for us. You alone, Lord. So today, we take this bread that represents your body. You said, this is my body which is given for you. And Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice you made on your body. You gave it for us. We receive. And then you took the cup and said, this is a new covenant of my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you show the Lord's death until you come. We're looking for that day you come, Jesus. But in the meantime, we're so grateful for the blood that cleanses us from all of our sin we receive in Jesus' name. My hope is found here on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here arms open wide. Here you saved my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow. Oh, here my hope is found here. bless you church be blessed today we'll see you Wednesday night and here my hope is found